Well, this morning, it is good to be back with you. First of all, thank you for allowing me to take uh, a week to go to a conference in southwest Florida, suffering for Jesus down there. <laughs> it was rough, but I thought of all of you and, and kept you all in my heart. Uh, it was great to get away, had a great time, and Celeste knocked it out of the park. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great having such a good team of people. You don't just have a pastor here. You have pastors. You have uh, a team of people who really love you and care for you and do the work of the Lord. And it's great to know that I can step out and maybe move to Florida. Who knows? And everything's going to be just fine. Just for the winter, I'll be back because it gets way too hot there in the summer for me. Well, today we have a guest speaker with us. Uh, this summer I had the privilege of, of meeting a, a man named Kurt Ains, who was just an incredible guy. And um, I asked him if he would be willing to come and speak here sometime this year. And we agreed to it, and we got this date worked out on the books, which worked great for my week away as well. But uh, I want you guys to give me uh, a hand in welcoming him to the stage, Mr. Kurt Ames. And now here's something that you need to know. Incredible man of God, doing incredible things for the Lord and for the kingdom. And usually when you have a guest speaker come, you're Googling, trying to find a picture of them to use, you know, like a headshot to show. Well, this is his uh, picture that when you Google, you find. So check those guns out on that guy. I didn't even know that about him. So uh, we have Lion Celebrity here with us today. But we're excited to have you here. No, thanks for being here with us, Kurt. Take it away. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Anybody glad to be here besides me? Man, was that worship powerful? Oh, I hope this message can even, you know, if it's 20% as good as that worship, I think I've done my job here today. So good to be here with all of you. Um, before I get started, I really want to uh, honor Pastor Jeremy and Anna for the work that they are doing. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not real, you know, super impressed these days being in ministry myself with people that start things up, although I am impressed with that, but I'm more impressed with those that start something but then continue to run that race with passion and faith and courage and vision. And I can tell you, even just from sitting with him, you know, last night and getting to know him, your pastor has all of those attributes. He's not just started something, but he's building something for the Lord's kingdom to advance it. And you all get to be a part of that. So let's just pretend like it's Pastor Appreciation Day. Can you tell Jeremy how much you appreciate him and Anna? Bless you, brother. So happy to know you. Call you a friend. Um, before we get started, you know, one of the things that I've, that I've got to know about Jeremy, too, uh, is this. He, as he's a full-time pastor, you know, he's a full-time comedian, too. Have you... <laughs> Have you guys figured this out yet? Come on, somebody. So I figured I'd start off with a little joke. Goes this way. Two kids, Bobby and Johnny, are in a hospital. They're lying on stretchers next to each other outside the operating room. They were the first two surgery patients of the day. So Bobby leans over to Johnny and says, hey, man, what are you in here for? Johnny says, well, I'm getting my tonsils out, and I'm really, I'm really scared. I'm afraid. Bobby says, well, trust me, man. You got nothing to worry about. I had that done when I was four. It's great. They put you to sleep, and when you wake up, they give you tons of jello and ice cream. It's a breeze. You've got nothing to worry about, man. You'll be in and out. And Johnny asked Bobby, hey, man, so, so what are you in here for? Bobby says, circumcision. <laughs> Whoa. Johnny replies, good luck, buddy. I had that done when I was born. I couldn't walk for a year. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. And all of us males said... Uh-huh. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we are going to tackle a subject 
this morning that we all love to talk about, and that's the subject of death. <laughs> we love talking about death, but we're in the middle of a series that Pastor Jeremy's done an amazing job of. It's called Fearless, and I get to close out this series by talking about how we overcome the fear of death. So without further ado, let's go right to Scripture, because I think that's a good place to start. And we're going to be in verse 14 and 15. It says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, talking about Jesus, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I'm going to read that last part to you. Verse 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Here's what experts say. They've classified the fear of death into various categories, and these include the fear of dying, a painful death, the fear of the unknown, that's a big one, the fear of losing loved ones in death, and the fear of the negative consequences that one's death may have on the people that they leave behind, on the survivors. So this morning, for the remainder of our time together, we're going we're gonna to discuss death, a subject that we all love. And here's what's going to happen. We're just going to go Jabril Peppers on it. <laughs> I mean, we're going to face, we're going to look f the fear of death right in the face, and here's what we're going to do. We're just going to tackle that thing head on, take it down to the ground, and beat it into submission just like Michigan did to Michigan State yesterday. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. But before we do, I need to pray because I need help and security to get that Michigan State fan out of here, wherever. <laughs> I'm just playing, brother. All in good love. All in good love. We're pro-Jesus, so yeah, let me pray. I need help. I need help. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together this morning in your house, God, your sanctuary. Lord, I thank you for uh, the worship this morning, how incredible it was just to come in and praise and worship you, God. I just uh, pray for help as I'm speaking and delivering this message, God, and that uh, you would cover all my weaknesses as a, as a preacher and a speaker, and that you would do what only you can do, and that's transform and change lives. Amen. Uh, I pray that this just wouldn't be more information, but that it would be revelation knowledge that leads to change for good. And I do thank you that you favor the Wolverines this year. And we ask that you return us to a national championship. In Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. amen, amen. Where's my parents at in the rooms? Raise your hands high. Where are all the parents at in this room? All right. Yeah, my wife and I have three children. We have a nine-year-old son, an eight-year-old daughter, and an 18-month-old son. Pray for us. I'm, I'm pray, I'll pray for you as well. Our 18-month-old son, I mean, it was like he came out of the womb just like the rest of them, just like this. How I many of you know we're born with hands like this? They just go, mine, mine, mine. All he says is mine. No, shut up. That's your sister. That's not yours. It's hers. And, but my 9-year-old son is super inquisitive, and he's very, very curious at this stage of life that he's in. And so this past, this past month, I love the, the month of October. It's actually my favorite month of the year for various reasons I won't go into. But one of the things that we love to do as a family is to kind of take the tours of the local pumpkin patches, apple orchards, if you will. Uh, we're from the Grand Rapids area, so we, we kind of made the rounds to, 
to three or four different ones this year. And the first one that we went to, we parked the car, got out, and my son comes up to me, and it's super random, right? You, you guys with children know exactly what I'm talking about. And he says, hey, Dad, so would you rather die from frostbite or from having no air? And I said, what? And he says, okay, so no, 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 no. So would you rather die by being eaten by a shark or would you rather die by being eaten by an alligator? And I looked at my son and I'm like, do you need help? Is there anything? And I said, son, none of the above because they all end in death. And he says, oh yeah. That's right. And he kind of had this epiphany, right? But all these conversations I've been having lately, it's interesting that I'm speaking on the overcoming the fear of death. All the, I've, I've had so many conversations just in the last two weeks. Matter of fact, yesterday, I met a tailgate uh, party for the Michigan-Michigan State game at my uncle's house. And I'm sitting there watching the game outside in his driveway, and I'm sitting next to a woman I've never met. And on the other side of that woman is my grandfather. And we're all sitting together. And my grandfather's now conversating with this woman. And he he, he says to her this, she, he says, hey, did you know that my grandson right there is a pastor? He doesn't look like it, does he? <laughs> and I said, thanks, Grandpa, I love you too. Like, why would he say that, right? Total random stranger. Yeah, it doesn't look like a pastor. And then he says this. He's getting a little bit older now, you know, and, and when you get a little older, you just say things that you just, you just don't care, right? You know what I'm saying? And he says, so... If you were to die right here and right now, you're covered. I said, Grandpa, I'm pretty sure that's not the way it works. <laughs> you should come to church tomorrow, Grandpa, right? A weird conversation about death. Another one, a couple others that I've had just in the, in the last two weeks, I walked into a meeting, and there were two men who are in their 60s who five years ago lost a grown child one was a son, one was a daughter, the same year. Had families of their own. And many of us, as parents, we fear our children leaving this planet before we do. And I got to sit there, and I got to listen to two guys, and, and they were followers of Christ, and I got to sit there in this most precious moment, an awkward moment, and in a moment that, honestly, as I was sitting there and they were discussing it, I was very uncomfortable because I don't even like thinking about that. And I got to sit there and listen to them, how they both got through it with God. And I can remember one of them just saying, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we, we went to bed that night and late in the morning and they woke up and, and just looking at each other and saying, okay, honey, we've gotten through the last 12 hours. Let's just get through the next 12, you know, and I can't even imagine what that's like, but even have it, just sitting in that conversation and listening in, I had the fear of my own children passing on before I go. Um, you know, I've, I've just had these, I had another, I had another one uh, two days ago. I'm in, I'm in the office of the church where I'm on staff, and, and the receptionist, who is also the uh, executive assistant, tells me and another pastor, hey, by the way, uh, so-and-so, his father's on his deathbed right now, so just make sure that you, you, you let him know that you're sorry and give him your condolences, and he's, he's going to be passing on. And so uh, this man walked by us, and as he was out, you know, his way out the door, we said, hey, Bob, we'll call him Bob, hey, Bob, so sorry to hear about your father, who's, his father's 89 years old, and he turns around, 
And he has the biggest smile on his face. And he says, thank you so much. I was actually just with him, and he cannot wait to go be with Jesus. There was no fear. There was no fear of death at all. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live. That is how I want to live. So for the rest of our time together, um, we're going to talk about a passage of Scripture. And before we get there, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, if you brought your Bibles. I want to mention a couple other things that Jeremy's already mentioned to you that I just really wanted to review. Um, Jesus tells us over and over in Scripture to do not fear, do not be afraid, have no fear. But what he's saying is, you know, his, his message was not this, have no fear and I won't let anything bad happen. His message was, have no fear when bad things happen. I love what Jeremy said in week one. We were talking about this over dinner last night, too. As he talked about the report from his doctor, I believe it was early last year of 2015, where he's in the hospital and he's having issues. And, you know, they do all these tests. And the doctor on day three, I believe it was, comes up and says, Mr. Brown, I'm so sorry to tell you, but you have tumors in your pancreas. And for him... He's also had family members that have passed on from that particular uh, condition, cancer, pancreatic cancer. And he said that fear just came up and now he's staring fear eyeball to eyeball. And he said it took him about three seconds. And he started thinking about leaving his, his wife and his kids behind and the pain that he's going to have to endure. And for about three seconds, he said it lasted. And then the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, Jeremy, choose faith over fear and he said i've never been afraid since that moment oh my goodness that's a god confidence that i want to have what your pastor has is the god confidence that overcomes any type of fear that's the type of faith that jesus was talking about that overcomes fear so in mark chapter 8 we find jesus he's talking with his disciples and he's actually going to tackle some things head on that really open up a door to some major life questions and fears that everyone wrestles with. And one in particular is the fear of death. He's going to hit it head on in just a few moments. And now I want you to know something about the disciples as well. They were no different than any single one of us in this room when it came to the fear of death. Even though they had been with Jesus, they had witnessed his power over death. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him heal all sorts of crazy diseases. The fear of death was apparent and it was very evident even at times within his closest following group, i.e. the disciples and the apostles. So when Jesus actually tells his disciples that he's going to die, they were uneasy. And they were sometimes even, like they sometimes tried to persuade him out of it. And we're going to see that in Mark chapter 8. So starting in verse 27, let's pick it up there. It says this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? So now Jesus knows that there's buzz you know, going around about, about him. He's become quite famous at this time. He's the miracle man. He's the healer, this guy that teaches with authority that we've never seen. So he knows that there's a lot of buzz going on about him. So he says, so what are people saying? What are people saying? I want to know. And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, by the way, who was recently beheaded. Others say Elijah, who had been dead for a really long time, and still others, another one of the prophets. And then he says this, okay, that's great, but... He turns the question right to them now, and he says, but who do you, my closest followers that spend day after day, minute after minute, month after month, and year after year, like, who do you say that I am? 
And Peter answers and speaks up, and he says, well, you're the Messiah. And in a, in a, in a different passage of Scripture, he says, you're, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And because of this revelation, I no longer call you Simon which means shaky and shifty like the sand, but I call you Peter, which means strong like a rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter has this great revelation. You're the Messiah, he says. And then Jesus, catch this, he warns them, like, don't tell anybody, though. Don't tell anybody about that. He says, bingo, Peter, you nailed it, but shh, hold on. It's not time for me to reveal who I am to the broader population. So then Jesus transitions this conversation that he's having with the boys into some really deep, uh, <laughs> really deep stuff, and it gets real pretty quick and even heated. Check this out. He continues on. He says, He then began to teach them that he must suffer. We sang about this this morning, that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. So Jesus is now tackling death head on, and he seems to be doing it with absolutely no fear. And he goes on, says, after three days, I'm going to rise again. By the way, has anybody else ever noticed that they just never seem to catch that part? Right? Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm going to die, but three days later, I'll be back. They never seem to catch this. And then this is what happens. He spoke plainly about this. He's speaking plainly about his own death. And then Peter takes Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. So he's having this conversation and it's as if Peter steps up to Jesus, takes him aside, it says. So imagine Peter pulling Jesus aside from this conversation and, and maybe the conversation went something like this. We don't know, but maybe it went something like this. Jesus, man, what are you doing? We, we just found out that you're, you know, you're the Messiah. We just made that great revelation. And you know, you're going to change everything, your political agenda, you know, everything that's going to happen that we think is going to happen. Like you're famous. You're the miracle man. We're like the miracle team. I'm pretty famous because you're famous. John's not as famous as me, though. I'm more famous than John, right? right, right? And, but why are you talking about death? Why are you talking about dying? You know that none of us like to hear about death. We don't like to talk about dying. Can we just be more positive, man? Like, let's get back to, let's go make fun of John. That sounds like more fun. Let's just go make fun of him real quick. And then the scripture says this. This is interesting. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, I think this is hilarious because Jesus' back must have been to the disciples while Peter's rebuking him. says that Jesus turns Towards his disciples, as this to say, like, is this guy for real right now? And he says, get behind me, Satan. Ooh, ouch. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the concerns of God in your mind. You're, you're, you're mindful of just human concerns. And I think that Jesus at this moment just goes, all right, teaching moment, teaching moment. Parents, you know this moment when it comes, right? Teaching moment. I, I just had one of these recently. Same nine-year-old son in my house, sitting on the couch. My wife and I are having that conversation. Aren't children the best eavesdrop? Like, they eavesdrop on everything that you say. Even when you don't think they're listening, they're actually listening. Come on, somebody. And so I'm sitting there having a conversation with my, with my wife about some decisions that we were going to make about our own house. And 
And so we're having this conversation. I said, well, I think that we should do this. And my son speaks up from the couch on his little iPad, and he goes, Dad, you're not the boss of this house. Jesus is. I said, shut up. <laughs> I, and, and so I'm, but then I'm like caught in the tension of like, do I punch him in the throat? Or, or do I go give him a big bear hug because he's starting to get it? Like, Jesus isn't just dad's savior. He's Lord of his house, too. And my wife and I are equals in this thing called marriage, but Jesus is Lord over all of us. So Jesus actually, but I wanted to punch him in the throat, too. So I said, shut up. And it was a teaching moment, like, yes, you're right, but I'm still your father. That means when you come in here, you take off your shoes. And so I started teaching, you know, put him in his place a little bit, but I love you. <laughs> you know, at the end, but I love you. Proud of you. But this is a teaching moment. I think Jesus sees it. You know, Peter re is rebuking him. He rebukes Peter, says, get behind me, Satan. And then look what he does. He calls the crowd. So now that there's, there's a crowd around with all the disciples, it says he calls the crowd in with him along with the disciples now. Teaching moment. Teaching moment. And the rest of this teaching is extremely important for all of us to hear this morning. And I hope and pray that it's going to change the way that we think about this life, the way that we see eternity, as I believe that the people that Jesus was talking to came to the same revelation. So that's, that's my prayer and my hope. So he's going to Jerusalem, right? He's going to be arrested, tried, and crucified. And the guys following him knew that if he happened to be arrested, tried, and crucified, they could be guilty by association and they could also be arrested, tried and crucified now here's the great news for all of us as followers of jesus that's never going to happen to us that is never going to happen to us there may be moments there may be seasons there may be times when we have to make difficult decisions and we have to choose our way or we're going to choose god's way and 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 that's where things get dicey jesus is going to break this down a little bit better for us but that's never going to happen to us he he continues in his teaching he says this whoever whosoever wants to be my disciple Whoever wants to follow Jesus must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Jesus is telling us that if we plan to follow him, there are going to be those times, there are going to be those moments that come in all of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ where we are going to have to sometimes deny ourselves. This is not a self-abasement of everything and every you know thing that god created us to be because in another scripture jesus says if you abide in me and my word abides in you ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you right so he's saying but there are going to be times when you think what's best for you and what i think is best for you which one are you going to choose and you're going to have to deny yourself in order to really fully follow me whosoever wants to be my disciple deny themselves take up their cross now there it is Take up their cross. This scared them to death. This scared them to death. Why? Because Rome used to crucify people and they would let them hang for days. And so the Jews would be walking by town to town and they would surely have seen throughout their lifetime many, many, many people hanging there for days on the cross. And they did that. Rome did that in order to scare them into submission to their rule and reign of their 
government. It scared them to, je- to death when Jesus said, now they're talking, you know, Jesus shifts it. It's not just his death. Listen, if you follow me, you disciples, those closest to me, it may not end that well for you either. You may have to pick up your cross too. And, and you know, a cross for us sometimes now is like, you know, it, it's, it's jewelry. It's a you know, it's a bumper sticker. It's very glorified. We put them up in our houses and, and we thank God for it. But to them in this moment, it was a literal, physical going to die. And Jesus is talking to them about their own death now head on. They're stunned. They have to be scared. Why is he talking about death? Now catch this. This is so rich. This is so deep. And this is so powerful. Verse 35, he says, For whoever wants to save their life, time out. (laughs) This is so brilliant. Whoever wants to save their life, listen, if you're in the, everybody in this room, do you want to save your life? I'm in. I'm in. Listen, I'm I'm with Spock. I'm trying to live long and prosper on this planet. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to, I don't fear death anymore. But I am not trying to leave my wife and my kids behind. I have so much, so much that I feel like God has given me to do in this lifetime that has not yet been accomplished. So I'm not trying to leave. So whosoever wants to save their life, he finds common ground with everybody. And by the way, this is common ground between Christians and atheists alike. We all want to save our lives. Whosoever wants to save their life will lose it. shoot, I want to save my life, but yeah, I'm going to die. Death still has a 100% success rate amongst us human beings. So that's right. Oh, man, no. No matter how hard I work out, no matter how much cardio I, I like get in this week, no matter how well I do on cutting back on all the carbs, no matter how much I try to save my life, oh, that's right, I'm, I'm going to die. Oh, that's right, even the healthiest Freaks on planet Earth, they die too. (laughs) Amen, brother. You woke up for that one. (laughs) I saw you. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. But we're going to pray for that today. By the way, when we were worshiping, I did sense one of the sweetest presences of God that that I've experienced in my church going times in the most, like in the recent, like in this past year, and I leaned over to Pastor Jeremy and I said, there is such a sweet presence of the Lord in this room right now. And one of the things that we do believe is that God heals. Amen. Amen. And he still heals today. And he is the answer to cancer. Amen. So Jesus, I pray that cancer is rid from this man's body and I cancel the plans of cancer right now in Jesus' name. Back on track. For so whoever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. We're all going to die. He's hitting death right in the face. But whoever loses their life, by the way, again, this is all of us. Whoever loses their life, all of us, for me and for the gospel, will save it. So he's saying... You know, whoever wants to save their life, yes, that's me, I'm all in, I want to save my life. Well, you're going to lose it. Oh, that's right, I'm going to die at some point, and I don't even know when. But if you lose your life for my sake and for the gospel, he says, 
you will save your life. And then he goes on in verse 36, so brilliant. He says, for what good is it for you? Oh, this is so brilliant. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? He's like, let's play an imaginary game real quick, and we're going to play it. Imagine that you had everything in this lifetime that you wanted for you, and you got to the end of this life. You, you rack up a, a massive bank account. You've got everything, the boats, the cars, the, 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 the timeshares, whatever it might be for you. You became the CEO, whatever it was for you, and you got to the end of this life. And you gained all of that, yet you forfeited your soul. And I think every single person in this room and everybody that was listening to Jesus at the time was like, that would be no good. That would be no good. He's talking about eternity now. Your soul, the, the part of us that is eternal, that lives on in one place or another forever. And everybody from all denominations, all backgrounds, all races, all religions would say, that's no good. This is no Good, I don't want to forfeit my soul. And many people fear death because of the fear of the unknown of whether or not there is an afterlife. And there were people in the Bible, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe not. But the Sadducees believed this. The Sadducees actually believed that there was no resurrection, so they couldn't have believed in Jesus. They believed that there was no life after death, that when we die, we just die, and then it is nothing. Nothing, no heaven, no hell, which is why they were sad, you see. <laughs> that was cute, right? But this next statement is going to reveal something about everybody on the planet. This is so amazing. This is huge. He says, or what can you give? Let's all think about it. What can you give? A better, a better way for us to put it. What would you give in exchange for your soul. Imagine you're about to breathe your last death and, and you're in the hospital. Perfect case scenario and all of your family, all of your friends, the closest people to you are all around your deathbed and you have this moment of I gained everything that I wanted for me in this lifetime and now you're on your deathbed. What would you in that moment what would you be willing to trade in what would you be willing to exchange in order for you to know that you were right with God and that your eternity was sealed by him? You want to know the answer to this? You would trade everything. Everything. And you just found out something about yourselves that I believe that they found out about themselves in that moment. Here's what you found out. You value your soul greater than everything. And I think it was a moment of discovery. And I think Jesus may have just paused and stepped back and let them think about that. What would you exchange in order to know that you were right with God? You trade everything. He's saying, so don't be afraid. He's telling us, don't be afraid. Don't think about the temporal. Start thinking about the eternal stuff. Isn't this brilliant? All the stuff we're fearful to leave behind now, the wealth, the status, the power, the relationships. He's saying, trust me when I tell you that everything that you accumulate at the end of this life, you'd be willing to trade it all in 
to know that you didn't forfeit your soul. So have no fear. Don't fear death. He says it this way in Luke chapter 12. This is a tough teaching. This is a tough saying. He says, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid. Don't fear of those who can kill the body, but after that do no more. He's saying, don't fear death, but I will show you whom to fear. Fear him who after you die has authority to cast you and throw you. This is your soul. This is the eternal part of you that has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's one of those teachings of Jesus that just gets all up inside you and it just shakes some things around. But wisdom is fearing God. The beginning of wisdom is fearing God. And before I made a decision to follow Christ, how am I doing on time? Five? Okay. I'm going to try, brother. Before I knew Christ, I lived an extremely immoral and sinful life, one that I am absolutely 100% ashamed of, and I, I used to tell my wife this all the time. If I died today, I would go to hell. I told her numerous times. And it was almost like I just, I loved the words that she would say to me. And what she would say to me is this. No, you wouldn't. You got a good heart. You're a good person. But I somehow intrinsically knew that if I died in that moment, I would go to hell. And I can't tell you how many times I came home drunk and high on cocaine and I'm laying in my bed. My chest, my, my heart just pounding and beating through my chest like I'm going to die. I could have died, overdosed. There were so many times when I thought that, that I had overdosed and it might be my last night. And I prayed to a God that I didn't even believe in. And I said, Lord, if you just give me one more day, Lord, just don't kill me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then I would make promises on that bed that I never kept. If you just let me live another day, I'll, I'll serve you. No, I didn't. Over and over and over and over. But then one moment on May 2nd of 2009 in my 2004 white Dodge Durango, I pulled over and I shouted out. I cried and I was at the end of my rope. And there's a scripture that says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, because yours is going to be the kingdom of heaven. There's another translation that says, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope, because God's going to come to the rescue. Come I was at the end of my rope. I was thinking about suicide, thinking about killing myself, and I remember I spread my arms, and I'm crying, let go of the steering wheel, and I, I just cried out to Jesus. I didn't say a religious prayer, but I cried out from the depth of my soul yeah. to Jesus, and all I know is I have not been the same ever since. Amen. 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 And here's, here's the reason why I tell you that story. I used to have the fear of death, but then I met Jesus and I no longer fear death. Yes. And here's why. Jesus says this in, in John 11. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Friends, if that doesn't destroy the fear of death, I don't know what will. We are eternal beings. We don't die. I just had a conversation with a young woman who lost her father, and she's been a mess since. Her life is an absolute train wreck, and she comes to me, and she says, I have been a mess since my father died. And I looked at her straight in the eyes, and I said, oh, he's still very much alive. He's just in a much better place. And her countenance changed like, oh, that's right. 
We don't ever die. We don't ever die. And I want to close with an analogy today that I am ripping off from Francis Chan. <laughs> Ain't no shame in my game, folks. I don't care. I'm ripping it off because it's a good one. Amen. I want to share something with you that I think is going to help to bring this entire message home for us this morning. I want you to look at this rope. And I want you to imagine that this rope just goes on forever. That it just goes on forever. And I want you to understand what this rope actually represents. What this rope represents is a timeline of your existence. It goes on forever and ever. Millions and millions and millions and millions of years beyond what we have in this very short and brief lifetime here on planet Earth. This is a temporary assignment, not an eternal. And scripture teaches us that this little portion right here in the red, that's our life on Earth. This is our life on Earth right here. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, if you'll just choose to follow me and if you'll just choose to deny yourself with this very brief portion that I've, I've given you in this thing called life, I'll give you all There's going to be some times when you're going to have to deny yourself. But this is how a lot of people are living. Even me sometimes still. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe like right there. Right? 36. And so I'm going to work real, real hard and real, real hard. And then, and then I'm going to save, save, save so that I can enjoy this part of my life right there. You know, and travel the world and play a lot of golf and just enjoy it and live it up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus says, like, how are you doing right now today? What areas of your life today, Kurt, are you not really fully trusting me in? You know, there's some things you're going to have to deny yourself of, and you're going to have to, to follow me. And then there's others of you that are here. You know, you're in that stage, and, and, and Jesus is still saying to you, how you doing? How you doing in this? And, and here's the crazy thing is that people, people actually will, have even said this to me. Like, dude, you left all that behind so that you could get on a pastor's salary and be a pastor? Like, you left all that behind, but that's going to affect this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The decision I made right here is going to affect all of this. It's going to affect all of this. So how I live now matters. What I do today matters. What we do today matters, friends, and it will have eternal ramifications on where we spend eternity and how we live in eternity. This is a trial run, and we got to get it right. Whosoever would follow after me must deny themselves, take up their cross. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Jesus is just saying, just give it all to me, everything. Give me all the glory. You live your life to glorify me, and I'll give you all yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, I thank you so much for how amazing you are for sending your son and now whosoever believes in him will never die, but have everlasting life with you and spend all of eternity with you, God. And I want to pray for people in this room who are ready to make that decision and put their faith in Jesus Christ and deny themselves to step all over your pride, to humble yourself right now and say, yes, Lord, I'm in. I want to answer that call, and I want to pray with you and for you right now. If that's you, would you please slip your hand up in the air so that I can pray with you? Is there anybody here ready to make that decision? 
Slip your hands up high, please, so that I can see you. Okay. Father, thank you so much for those who just made that decision. God, it's a decision that we make with our hearts. Lord, and I pray for everybody in this room, every single one of us in this room, that you help us get this right, God. We're so grateful just to know you, Father, but we want to get this thing right. Help us to live a life that is pleasing in your sight, a life that pleases your heart, God. Help us to be holy and set apart and to, to live in such a way, God, that, uh, that, yeah, just pleases you and has eternal ramifications. I pray that this message wouldn't, again, just be information, but revelation. It would change and transform our lives in one way, shape, or form. In Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. amen. Thank you, Kurt and Lindsay, so much for being here with us today. It's an honor to have you.